question of whether the United States should conduct military strikes in Syria to deter the use of chemical weapons is the latest in a long list of leadership challenges President Obama has faced during his five-year tenure. This time, his credibility is at stake on a global stage. As support at home and abroad continues to erode, HBS professor and leadership expert Gautam Makunda, author of Indispensable, When Leaders Really Matter, comments today for the business on why the president continues to pursue this path and the obstacles he faces along the way. Syria is sort of a worst case scenario for any leader because there are no good options. There is no set of actions the United States can take that will have a good outcome in Syria. And um, the problem is that our interests in the, in the region, right, sort of what we would like to achieve, vastly outstrip our capabilities. So our ability to influence events is much smaller than the importance these events will have for us. So for a leader, this is a nightmare scenario, right? Americans like problems to be solved, and there is nothing that anyone can do that will solve this problem. Within the larger context of the administration's foreign policy, it's quite clear that their overwhelming objective has been to minimize the extent to which the United States has been drawn into very expensive and long-term commitments anywhere in the world. And uh, that has, was what motivated getting out of Iraq as fast as possible, what's motivated our disentanglement from Afghanistan, and it's clear that it's been a motivating factor for Syria. And even if this wasn't the administration's desire, it's clear that there is no support in the United States on the part of anyone to actually involve. But it's clear the administration themselves don't want to do this. In the case of the president, right, so he, ha he has spent a long time, you know, this crisis has been building for more than a year, essentially not dealing with it in the hope that the United States would never have to deal with it. It's, I think it looks now, with the benefit of hindsight, that looks like a bad set of decisions. But at the time, I actually think it was pretty reasonable. And we should be careful to sort of say, well, we know how things turned out. Well, yes, but we didn't know how things turned out when we made the choices a year ago. There were, I think, a handful of mistakes made that, um, that have had consequences, right? So declaring very early that Assad must go, I think, both weakened our leverage within the, within the context and sort of created a policy stake on the ground that we could not actually fulfill. Announcing that we would support the rebels without actually carrying through on that was probably not the best choice. Um, he gets a lot of criticism for declaring that the large-scale use of chemical weapons was a red line that could not be crossed. I don't personally agree with that criticism in the sense that I think that American policy over the last 10 to 15 years has evolved in the direction of saying that we simply cannot allow the usage of weapons of mass destruction by anybody for any reason. It's important to remember two things. One is that Syria is a second order problem, not a first order problem. And you always want to make sure never to confuse those two. Syria is urgent, and it is extraordinarily important in a humanitarian sense, and obviously it's extremely extraordinarily important for the people in, the, in Syria and of the region in general. But from the perspective of American national interest, Syria is not a first order problem. The fate of the United States will not be determined in Damascus. The fate of no major American ally will be determined in Damascus, right? The future of our Middle East policy will not be determined in Damascus. So if the first task of a leader is differentiating between the urgent and the important, I won't say it's the first task, but a major task of a leader, I think the administration actually passes that task better than most. That being said, within the context of this particular crisis, I think maybe as a consequence of that, this has not been handled well. There are two parts to that. One is that there is a lot of, is that international relations leadership is different from leadership in other scenarios. For example, in the corporate world, we kind of all agree on what our ends are. We want the company to be as profitable as possible. We can talk about time horizons, we can differ about tactics, but at the end of the day, we all want the company to do very well. In the foreign policy arena, it's not even clear what well means. 
right? Is our obligation to simply pursue the American national interest, however you choose to define that? And of course, all of the rich, all of the importance of the discussion is in how you define that. But then, is it, do we also have a humanitarian obligation? Part of the administration's problem has been it is pretty clear that they are not certain what their goals are here, uh, and that there is no way for them to achieve all of them. The problem that the president is facing is that there are multiple contending sort of constituencies, all of which must be satisfied, but which have completely incommensurate demands. So if we promise the Congress that the strike we use will be limited enough that the president can get their approval, then it's not clear that that strike will then do anything to the Syrians, which means that the purpose of the strike, which is to establish as a right a rule in the international space, if you use chemical weapons, we will hurt you so badly that you will regret having used them. Well, if we minimize the size of the strike, then we can't do that anymore because they'll say, well, it was worth the trade. At the same time, you see this potential deal where the chemical weapons are under inspection from the UN. We always tell the students, right, that most, most of policy is implementation. We have no idea how to implement this. The final set of issues here is that the president is dealing with a Washington sort of foreign policy commentariat that says a lot of things and believes a lot of things about foreign policy that are basically not true. The most important of those is the importance of credibility. So you always hear people in the, in the sort of, not the academic foreign policy community, but people in the Washington elite foreign policy community say, well, we have to maintain our credibility. Um, if there is one thing that the political science and international relations tells us about that argument, it is that that argument is nonsense. That is not actually how nations work. This is, you know, leadership at, in an arena that, you know, the business world is complex. Microsoft is complex. You know, GM is complex. Goldman Sachs is complex. But it's nothing like this. Grading on a curve? I don't think he's done as badly as people, as people are saying he's done. Um, but I don't think they've done well. To complicate it further, the president then made an absolutely unique, I think, and personal decision to say that he will go to Congress for authorization as to whether or not to launch a strike. In my book, my theory predicts that certain leaders do things that no one else would do, and it predicts that Barack Obama would be one of those leaders. Um, I did not think I would get quite so dramatic an illustration of that fact, but that's what we got. Um, it is simply inconceivable that any other American president would say not to go to Congress for support for a decision they had already made, which is a fairly standard thing for a president to do, but to actually announce, I believe that I have the authority to do this, but I'm not going to do it anyways unless Congress authorizes me to do it. I can't think of another example of that happening. And it is consistent with, I think, the president's sort of biases that he came into the office with, where he did seem to have a tendency to defer to the legislature that we have not seen in the American presidency in a very, very long time. It was a unique moment um, and I think has great virtues in the sense that it essentially forces the legislature to take responsibility for their beliefs, right? If they, if they want to do this, they're going to have to vote for it. And if they don't want to do this, they kind of have to vote for it. They don't get the option of sort of saying, sort of, you know, claiming retrospectively, well, this is what I wanted to do. Whatever we do, two of the three branches of the American government are really committed to doing it. And that's an, I think that is an enormously good thing. So in the long run, it would not surprise me if historians actually look back on that moment as one of the crucial moments of the Obama administration, and in fact, one of the best ones, that some restoration of the constitutional balance between the executive and the legislature is, I think, a good thing and a long overdue good thing. Mm -hmm.